tonight on Let It Rip. From heroes to zeros, two Michigan bozos who couldn't manage their own campaigns. Former Detroit Police Chief James E. Craig and self-anointed quality guru Perry Johnson both kicked off the Republican primary ballot for governor after turning in thousands of fake signatures. And now, your host, Rup Raj. Good evening. It's time to let it rip. Let's get right into it. Chief, you were the front runner. Now you're in yesterday's newspapers. Rup, let me tell you something. I'm a cop, and I'm not going to stand for this. This is crap, and I'm a cop. And? That's it. I'm a cop. Okay. Mr. Johnson, you bill yourself as a quality guru, but you spent $7 million of your own money, which amounts to about $333 for every phony signature. What does that say about your executive acumen? Well, the fact of the matter is, is a practical matter, this is all scratch and sniff, he looked poor fraud. The chief's correct when he says it's bullcrap. I, mean, I know we turned in thousands of phony signatures. I know that. You know that. We all know that. But which ones are phony? I don't know that. You don't know that. Nobody knows that. And that's why we should be on the ballot. Now, I, I brought some examples of these so-called forged signatures. Smell that, real? It's okay. It's okay, sir. You can sit down. I'm good. You can sit down. It's okay. I want to throw this to Charlie Langton. Charlie, you're a lawyer. What do you make of all this? You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped into the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sterilized, so you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Just let me say this. I, I, I know. You're a cop. Don't interrupt me. I want to make an exclusive announcement right here on Lady Rip. I'm launching my write-in campaign because I'm the best candidate to unseat Governor Gretchen Richmer. <laughs> but also, I'd like to announce my running mate right here. Johnny Walker Blue. I know Johnny. I like Johnny. And I trust Johnny. He's with me everywhere I go. And, and, and let me tell you this. Blue labels matter, Ruth. And I'm a cop. You heard it here, folks. Right here on Let It Rip, Blue Label Matters. Can I get some money? Let's just end breaking news. No more bullshit. No more bullshit. No bullshit. All right, all right. I tell you what, if there's a better news show, you tell me. Ain't no better news show than this. And that, why are we getting shadow banned? I don't know. We've been doing the deep analytical dive of our, our brain trust on the East Coast. Yeah, they're doing it. I used to be. Reddit's biggest reporter. You know, I had the number one video all time in Reddit for three Which, years. Which, uh, was that the dog food one? Was cat, that the bat one? Get prepared for this show. Oh, I'm sorry. Cat food. Cat food. All right. Share, share, share. What the fuck is this guy in the back? <laughs> this is Jesus hippie back here. <laughs> Jesus. Get the fuck on, man. Spread the word. Share, share, share. Yeah, right, Get out there. Rate, review, subscribe. Get back there suntanning and... <laughs> In the hallway light. Now, look at this guy, this kid, that's uh, that's Zach's girl, right? That's a guy that works with us. Fuck her, do anything to get on camera. <laughs> the lower level is blessed, Charlie. The lower level is blessed. <laughs> hey, Zach, how do you pronounce your last name? Just like Scrotum. Just like Scrotum. Oh. Zach Scrotum. <laughs> Zach Scrotum. Karen's eyes just got huge when you said that, too. <laughs> what if I don't know why. Jeez. Karen's got kids. Like, you'd, you'd think she'd know something. <laughs> All right, look. Okay. 
really, really, really big show today. I want you to hang out because we're going to bring him in in the second half. The nursing home situation in Michigan is not over. It's not over. Whitmer can go on, meet the press or whatever she wants. They're trying to create a presidential candidate. We're not done with the gubernatorial election. We're not done with the nursing home. What really happened? Why did they ignore the old folks? Guess who we got? We don't give up on this program. We've got Joe LeBlanc. Who's Joe? Among other things, he runs one of the assisted living facilities, a big one in Grand Rapids. And he's vice chairman of the board of the Michigan Center for Assisted Living. He's up there and he's going to tell you. So hang for it. Good, yeah. Right? It's finally, finally, it's starting to happen. What's up, Joe? How are you, Charlie? Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Listen, why don't you just... Busy yourself with uh, hippie Jesus over there. We'll, we'll get to you. And I really appreciate it. Take a lot of balls to come out of here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate yeah. it. And I, shining I, the light on this. A lot of people care, man. Absolutely. Most of us do. We it's do. not political to us. And that's why they're banning us, dude. Because when we talk about COVID, ding, 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 you get rung up, even if it's the truth. Right. If you talk about election fraud, like on this show, we say there was none. Right. At, at TCF, at least in 150,000 minutes. Ring, 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 you ban. You see what they're doing? It's like the social media wants us to be divided. Brought to you by David Hall Mortgage. Do you have credit card debt, student loans? Is there a home remodeling project you need money for? A cash out home refinance from Hall Financial is the answer you're looking for, Mike. You may have thousands of dollars you didn't even know about. The average house has gained over 30 grand in value over the last year with 10% employment. 10% uh, uh, inflation is actually $27,000, but hey, great. It's still a lot of money. Take all of that, that equity you have, and consolidate your debt. Call Hall Financial and get your cash out refi payment in as little as eight business days. 866 call Hall or all online at callhallfirst.com. Now, Hi, Karen. Hi, Charlie. Should we get to the news? I think we should. Okay, let's call this first rundown the the news behind the bullshit news, okay? But before we do that, as the resident uterus, <laughs> Roe v. Wade struck down today. Your take. Well, it's disappointing, Charlie. You know, it now becomes uh, a massive political uh, hot potato as it falls in the laps of the state. But people have to remember that federal law takes precedent over state law. And now every time we shift leadership in every state, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be an issue. The interesting thing is that the Supreme Court ruled yesterday that states were not capable of deciding whether or not, I mean, in terms of gun and their ability to carry a gun and those laws. But yet today they said, oh, sure, but you can make that decision about a woman's right to choose. And I think it's unfortunate. It's an interesting, interesting parallel, Karen, it really is. I, well, I'm, I'm, here's, here's the local angle, the Michigan angle is, Hypothetically, our 1931 law goes into effect, which is you may not have an abortion for any reason unless it threatens the woman's life, not if you're raped, not incest. That's on hold. The Court of Claims has put a stay on that. I'm sure that's going to be challenged. And here it comes. Here it comes. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I... <laughs> Charlie, what ahead. happens while all of this is going through this through legal wrangling, you know, so if a woman is, you know, at a at a point where she was or should consider an abortion, what happens now? I mean, isn't this a major gray area? And how does that compromise her well-being or the well-being of an unborn child? Well, in the state of Michigan, it remains the same. There's a stay in um, where, where was uh, this last case? Mississippi? Missouri, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. So it's going to be 15 weeks in Mississippi. I believe it's no abortion at all in Oklahoma. Yeah, that would just pass not that long ago. But they, you're, you're so right about that, Karen, about guns and abortion. And in, in, in 24 hours, the Supreme Court just launched us into a new era. Oh, yeah. That is amazing. Wherever you're at on it, me, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, I might as well. Might as well just stop hiding. I'm pro-life, and I believe in your choice. How's that? I think that's the majority of people, but... So I do believe there's a, a, a petition going around to put this question 
to the ballot as an amendment to the state constitution. I would sign it, but I never sign anything as a reporter. But I just want to let you all know that. I mean, I'm not. But then again, the Supreme Court says I do have who's, a say in it. Who's collecting these signatures? Even if I don't have a uterus, Karen, apparently I do have a say in it. And I would like to say, okay, but, you know, not nine months and you're vacuuming a kid's head off. Does that make any sense? No. But no, up no. in New York, it's, it's up to, it's up, it's nine months. Each state makes its own yeah. laws. But that to me also seems like it compromises the safety of the mother as well. I mean, that's, that's, that's very far along. Yeah, that's true too. And you know what? What if a kid is stillborn? Yeah. Right? The kid, yeah. the kid just is stillborn. Isn't it coming upon the authorities to investigate that in case it wasn't an abortion? Is that what we're getting into now? This is a tremendous. Well, you know, and I think, too, we also need to have the other side of the conversation for people that are just so, you know, I mean, I understand, you know, those that are pro-life. I respect that. Uh, and, and not just pro-life, but anti-pro-choice. And, you know, like you said, Charlie, everybody doesn't have that. But, you know, interestingly, last night, one of the gubernatorial candidates was asked, you know, what would you do? You know, you talk about bringing a child into the world if a mother or the parents are incapable of raising that child, you know, and again, the circumstances that led to that pregnancy, you know, are also an issue. And, you know, it was interesting. He says, well, you know, I've talked to some of my colleagues and we thought that, you know, we'd be able to provide support for three months. Like, what does that mean? And how does. Yeah. Yeah. Let, 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 yeah what, what the fuck? You want to cut, you want to cut the social safety net. You want to give handouts to billionaires. The, the young woman's telling you she can't raise it. And like, you're on your own. So it, I hope we really look into the crevices of the adoption system, um, adult, uh, foster care. Yeah, I just hope there's not more unwanted children, you know, like little kids and then teenagers. Well, kids aren't wanted, so. No, I, I know. know, but they're, and, and this, believe me, I don't think we're at that point yet, but well, an unwanted here. child let's is worse make than a push. unwanted fetus. Let's but. make a push somewhere to link children that their yeah. mothers can't or fathers can't handle and give them to people that want to sure. hug that child. Yeah, but Charlie, that whole foster care system is nothing but, a, you know. Okay, a, a adoption, adoption, adoption. But this is the thing. There also needs to be conversation about responsible behavior so that you don't encourage unwanted pregnancies. That That's is, I'm sorry. Now I got I, 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 to get mad at you. That's so NPR. Every time I turn on NPR, welcome joining the conversation. I'm, I'm tired of conversation. I oh, want some no, stuff you done. You need to understand, and you have athletes, and you have all these people that have—I mean, that, that could easily buy a pack of condoms. People need to understand that. Well, oh, Karen's blaming not, unwanted children on athletes now. No, <laughs> okay, I heard so it. Next topic. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> give me, this is called the the news behind the bullshit news. Gas. Oof. It's out of sight. Biden's going to suspend the, trying to, it's not going to happen. The federal gas tax, right? Yeah. Which is 18 cents. It'd do nothing except leave a hole in, you know, the road repair fund. Mm -hmm. And he's encouraging the states to do the same. Right? Now, here's the thing. If you lower gas prices just a teensy bit, then it makes the demand go up. Then people buy more of it and the price goes up. <laughs> Number one. Right. But Charlie, you know, and we talked about this yesterday, um, Jennifer Granholm said she was sitting down to talk to the oil companies to get them to reduce the price. But, you know, that doesn't automatically mean that your gas stations have to uh, conform. So, you know, you can say, yeah, the, the oil companies have reduced their prices, but that doesn't mean it's going to you're going to be seeing it at, at the gas. This station. got this got nothing to do with the, the tax has nothing to do with the oil companies. The gas stations don't necessarily have to lower their prices. There's That's no guarantee the price would go down. Yes. Now, for the Secretary of Energy and the, the major capitalistic society in the world is begging yeah. for, a, for a price break? That's not market economics. Get out of here, Granholm. Get out of here. It's stupid. Here's the other thing. The way, you know, the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law. I actually read this for you people. Oh, wow. It sucked. Believe me, I wanted to get the Peaky Blinders, but I thought I should do this. The way that they're going to give the Biden bucks for the infrastructure out for the roads is based on a calculation how much the state pays into the federal highway fund. So Ooh. if we don't pay into the highway fund, you get nothing out. 
Well, I don't know exactly <laughs> what the level is because they didn't put the formula in there. But we're what is this? But if you take away those federal that federal tax too, that's just less than the whole pie anyway. And then when you take the sales it's, tax out and the, and the Michigan gas, part of that goes to schools. It's a short. We got unwanted kids in schools that we're not going to fund. Yeah. It's market principles. We're going to have to suck it up. Here's what I say: drive less. World's getting crowded. Stuff's getting rare. Drive less. Take the bicycle to the store. That's all we can do. Because the reason inflation's through the roof is we printed money we don't have. That's and the, true. And the value of money is going down. So we're going to do more of this. It's time for this nonsense to be over. Ne uh, last, last point on that, Karen, with your supercar. What's my super car? It takes only, only premium. premium. Yeah. Yeah. Only takes premium. Yeah. Yeah, and fairy dust. So what do you want me to do? I want you to get on the bike, go down no. to the liquor store, no. back in Beeway. No. <laughs> Wait a minute, and buy a bottle of uh, Johnny Walker Blue. <laughs> Red appreciates it. I hope so. Okay. Um, guns. Supreme Court ruled that you may not have onerous rules on people's ability to carry a firearm on them new york state california chicago they have very very hard rules on carrying a weapon it's ruled unconstitutional your take on this karen charlie you know i i'm gonna say this i think a lot of that decision was performative um i think that rules are only as effective as they are enforceable uh, it actually boils down to, you know, I mean, if you think about the the uh, the kid uh, from from the Oxford shooting, his parents were allegedly enablers. We think about the shooter in uh, Buffalo and there were, quote unquote, red flags around him. But if those things fall on deaf ear and there's no follow up, then all of these things are irrelevant. I do think people should have a right to carry a weapon, but I do think that they should have to, a right to carry a weapon with some degree of responsibility. Yeah, try legislating that. Here, here, here. Yeah, I, and you can't. That's the thing. But do people really want a safer community? You got people driving down the streets of Detroit shooting at each other over traffic, you know, snafus. I mean, we're such an angry society right now. We're on edge and guns have become our solution of choice. So that's my, the totality is this. Hey, LA. Hey, New York. Hey, Chicago. Welcome to the United States. Because that's how the rest of us live. So very little change for us. And I did read the decision. And here's some quick notes. It's still legal to ban handguns from highly sensitive places. It's still legal for the state to invoke training and background checks, right? Mm -hmm. Et cetera, et cetera, taking a, taking a class, right? Yeah. Didn't it really just get rid of the, you had to explain why you wanted it, which... Yes. That's kind of silly. It's none of your business why I wanted it, but I'm all for more these, training. These are very crowded cities, man. That was yeah. the reasoning behind it. Now, um, a sensitive place. The too. court ruled that there, there was that the restrictions, if you're going to restrict handguns, they must be traditionally adopted in U.S. history, all of U.S. history. Well, what's weird about this decision is the New York law about carrying it and having an extra special reason is a hundred years old. Yeah, it's very old. So that's interesting. Um, now, here's the deal. In 2008, there, there was a Supreme Court ruling about keeping firearms in your home, right? Mm -hmm. And in that decision, they, they upheld that there's a historic tradition supporting bans on dangerous and unusual weapons. So it's not completely out of there in terms of semi-automatic rifles or cannons or machine guns. So that hasn't disappeared. But in total, you don't need a compelling reason to have to tell the government why you're carrying a piece. I have a CPL. I don't carry it. And you know why I don't carry it? Because I don't want to carry it. But you know why I have it? Because everybody else got it. So now New York gets to have it. Oh, and then last night, what did the Senate do? <laughs> Talk about performative. Go on, tell us. Uh, well, they came to an agreement for um, sensible gun laws, but it really doesn't. I mean, I just laughed at it when I saw things like, encouraging states to adopt red flag. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is, what is encouraging states? What does that mean? And then money for, um, you know, more schools. You know, it, it's interesting to see some kind of bipartisanship, but it's all bullshit. Yes. Yep. The, the bill expands back, expands yeah. background checks for gun purchasers between the ages of 18 and 21. Yeah. 
Dun, a very dun, small. Don't ban an 18 year old. No. So that, I don't think that was going to stop the Uvalde kid or the kid in Buffalo. No. Right? What's so that you're telling be? me older people don't commit? Or, I mean, I understand the last couple times these were, you know, kids. But so what does that mean? You got to wait till you're 21 before you do a mass shooting. The other side of that, Charlie, I saw an interesting piece about this is just the tip of the iceberg. And the real danger of having so many guns in this country, how they impact people under with domestic violence, people as in regular, you know, we respond to these things that get a lot of attention. But guns are so readily available in this country and, and a part of our everyday lives in a negative in a negative manner. But it's like, I, I, that's not going to do it. Let me just say that it, it's not. It, it ain't it ain't much. And I, you don't hear anybody really bitching about it. Mike M gun. Mike, nobody's really bitching about this, right? He's like, no, that's gun Mike. Just does nothing. I won't even go into it, but Mike's uh, a gun guy for real. You showed me pictures earlier. Now, the, the second half of uh, the news behind the bullshit news brought to you by ADR. It's pretty simple. ADR consultants are the ones you call when you need to get something done right, on time, and on budget. If you're an investor who can't get straight answers, if you have a, uh, issues with city zoning, if you're trying to get something remodeled and need permits, variances, or just... Help navigating the shitty government. You call ADR. Save money, save time. Ethical, honest, and smart. Call Barry Ellen Tuck for a free consultation. 248-318-9424. I'm getting good at those. <laughs> <laughs> now next. Another one out. Another report out. Another study. Oh Give me some music. Uh, what kind of music? Something Stripper. right now. <laughs> Stripper yes. music. Yeah, okay, that'll work. It was ready. Walden Hub examined 150 of the largest cities in the United States and evaluated each city's credit rating, debt, education scores, health scores, crime rate, economy, and infrastructure. Boy. From worst to best, the worst-run cities in the United States. Let me start looking. Where would I look for, say, Detroit? <laughs> Towards the end. That would be the best. Oh, that would be best. Let me, look, let me hold on. Let me look. Let me look. 150, 149. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I don't see it. Really? Maybe I should go towards the top. You remember my rule of thumb on these kind of studies? Yeah. Depends how they phrase it. Sure. Either look at the top or the bottom. Let me yeah. go right to the top here. The worst run city in America is Washington, D.C. Hmm. Number two Ooh. is San Francisco. Yeah. And we all know that. Everybody's getting no beat up. Yeah. The hippies are flopped all over the place. They got drug shooting dens. Nobody cares. Expensive as hell, too. <laughs> what about number three? New York City. You Thank you to Blasio for the bums bathing huh. in the fountains. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga? I, huh? I like Chattanooga. Yeah. You know, you know what Chattanooga is good for? Stop, get some McDonald's, take a shit, and get on down to Miami, man. That's it, right? Am I right, Gun Mike? It's a rest stop. <laughs> yep, Gun Mike's like a hill, yeah. And coming in at number five, the mistake on the lake, Cleveland, Ohio. Really? Yeah. Number six, Detroit. Hmm. Detroit, there's supposed to be music. Mark, Mark. I need to get distracted. I'm already being shadow man. I don't want to be booted either. Number seven. Just up the highway of pain. Flint, Michigan. I was wondering which one was going to be ahead of it. Number eight, Oaktown, California. Number nine, have a Hartford, Connecticut. And number 10, Gulfport, Mississippi. Hmm. There wow. we go again. Yeah, we did better in We're Cleveland. worse than Gulfport, Port Mississippi? Wow. Have you been to Gulfport, Mississippi? It's warm there, Karen. <laughs> Karen, be positive. Right. We're better than Cleveland. Hey, we're not I don't Cleveland. Know about that, you know. I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland kind of experienced some bounce back over the over the years. Yeah. But uh, how long did okay. that last? Now let's do this real quick. We're the worst run city. Why? Let's start with just some shit we talk about in this program. Look, I want you all to listen because we're having a debate here about billionaires, slum scumbag billionaires getting money. Let me start out with this. Duggan's demolition program. You guys remember I told you that? Feds yeah. are in here. Yeah. They might have thrown poison dirt in there. Well, guess what just happened? The city's inspector general just took the biggest demolition firm, the one with the most jobs right now, mm -hmm. and kicked them out for 20 years. 
because they're actually white guys who are posing as black guys to get contracts with the city. And now we don't got anybody to do the demos. And now the price for the white guys that didn't get the job before, yeah. now they're going to come in and go through the roof. Yeah. This Wait, is the they worst run city. Pretending to be black guys. Yeah, how do hmm. they do that? That's what they did. Oh, they do it all. Karen knows this. Karen worked in City Hall. Basically, white guys, because the city's like, hey, you got minority owned yep. and all. Yep. So white guys. It's one of those good in theories. Bring in a black guy, give him some peanuts. He puts his name on the shit, and hey, we're minority. Yeah. But I live in fucking Northville. Yep. Is that true, That's Karen? That is absolutely correct. And that happens a lot, which is why uh, compliance with certification is so important. Uh, but you have people all the time, they'll put a black person or especially even a black woman at the forefront and say, hey, this is you know, a minority owned company. We are um, qualified for A, B and C contracts and opportunities and nowhere to be seen. Sounds like something else too, Charlie. We got a lot of that going on in City Hall, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, and the bribe vig in this town, Gun Mike, is thirty percent. That's that's the stack on top. That's 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 crazy. That's what really goes on. So when we tell you these little things, we're telling you something bigger. How does this play out? Violence. That's part of this worst-run city, right? We went bankrupt to relieve debt. That's part of the measurement here, and we went bankrupt to get some cops. But we got less cops making less money. Look at inflation. Okay, so here's what I'm hearing. Breaking news. Oh, that one I can do. Okay. <laughs> Sources tell me that they've listened to the no bullshit out news hour and complaints from business people downtown and in Greek town where there was five shootings in 24 hours and they're flooding the zone with police officers. So that's good. But they're taking them from the neighborhoods. I'm told, and according to a Facebook page, only available to cops and me, mm -hmm. that they're looking for 12 volunteers in the 9th, 4820-DIE. 12 volunteers to do overtime to patrol the streets because they got nobody scheduled to patrol the streets. What? Yes. Why should this Did you hear this? It's insane. To volunteer? For overtime, yeah. For overtime. We need to why, staff these six patrol just, cars. Yeah. Six. Six stinking patrol cars for the east side of Detroit. <laughs> Wanting six? Most dangerous zip code in America. In America. Oh We're talking about guns and everything, Karen. And what? Right. The fuck? What, what's going to happen downtown on Monday in the fireworks? I mean, and that's also, oh you know, kind of like open season on the neighborhoods because all the resources are allocated to downtown. What do you mean, though? Like, the, for those that the don't fireworks. know. Yeah, the, the neighborhoods. Well, explain to people, like, you know, who don't know. Like, we got Joe over well, here. He doesn't know what those are. Okay. Well, we have an annual fireworks that is presented on the riverfront in downtown Detroit. Uh, people from all over the metropolitan area and even from some other parts of the state come downtown. It's televised. It's a big deal. And in order to keep uh, the presentation uh, as, as, as pristine as possible... Every allocated resource is uh, pr provided downtown. I and, mean, that's and, and, and America's second most violent city, Detroit, and the suburbs are the nuts too. Yes, um, have been locked down for two years. Oh, there's going to be a shit show. What can we do about? You know, what we can do. We, we can pray. Hippie Jesus, <laughs> pray for us, hippie Jesus. Thank you, hippie. Jesus. I thought he left. I didn't know Jesus he's, was Catholic. He's always here. <laughs> He's got, his hair is pretty nice. Maybe I need to see his style. <laughs> you and Jesus? I used to have hair like that. He'll get his. Don't worry about it. Don't worry, can we? All going to get bald and fat. Oh, what a mess. Ah, don't say that. Well, I'm already halfway there. Mark's just fat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Okay, so we don't have any police. We're the worst-run city. Karen wrote this really dynamic it's really the buzz around town about the argument to give billionaire Dan Gilbert $60 million more dollars to complete a skyscraper. That's what we're into the fifth year here. Karen, give it's, us, it, give it, us it feels rough. longer than that, Charlie. This is a site that he acquired for a dollar from the downtown development authority. And the issue becomes one dollar. You, know, you can't, I'm sorry. One dollar. Like you, you're, yes. you're, you're always jumping ahead of yourself because you think 
Everybody listening knows what you're talking about. So lay out what this is. He got he got the land for a dollar. He got the land for a dollar, which was a historic Hudson site in downtown Detroit, okay. a significant prime piece of property in an area, downtown Detroit, where he already owns more than 100 properties. He is the largest landowner in downtown Detroit. Um, but it has been several years. Uh, nothing has happened. He's already received $200 million dollars. Uh, in in tax incentives and breaks, and now he is asking for sixty million more. I'm not upset with him for asking. I am upset for it even to be uh, considered by people who should be making decisions in the best interest of this city, both fiscally, um, socially, uh, from a safety standpoint, and from a residential standpoint. You know, we why think about- is he asking for sixty million dollars? That's a good question, Charlie. Well, I don't I was, know. You do, Karen. It was in your story. What? Jeez, no. <laughs> I can't even throw a softball to this woman. Charlie, I'm trying to keep up with you. I never know where we're going. I, I, I got all this from you. Okay, well, then you tell me. Let, let me, me tell you what you think. Hold on, let me see. Let me tell you what you think. You're going to keep that, baby. That's first of all. <laughs> it took me a while. Okay, you got that? Yeah, yeah. sorry. All right. um, oh, boy. Well, because, because they're saying all that money you gave me, uh, I'm going to need more because this this project won't be viable, right? Without it, without exactly. It. And that we cannot complete it without it, uh, which, let's, you know. Wait, let's, pa just, let's pause there for a second. I, we, we can't complete it without it? Yeah, that's that's what the his one of his men uh, did an interview on Channel Seven and pretty much said if you don't give us the money, then we're going to see what that does to the relationship that Dan Gilbert has with the city oh, of Detroit. Oh, a shakedown! Because look, pretty if much. it's sixty million piddling dollars, right? If it's sixty million piddling dollars, and it's going to break you, this project's bankrupt, hmm. right? <laughs> and if you do have it, it's a shakedown because you're one of the richest men in the world. And no project in the Midtown Downtown Corridor has been done without the public's money. So, well, doesn't, you, doesn't it cost more now, too, because they've taken so long building it? Well, you're supposed to lock your costs in your contracts. Yeah. But Karen, do they have an anchor tenant that we know of? Huh. We're not aware as to whether or not they have an anchor tenant. We're also uh, aware of issues in the agreement that, you know, there's no clawback in the agreement. And if, in fact, I mean, there's nothing that states what it is that he's supposed to do. There are no blueprints. There's nothing that ties him to a definitive project. So he could put up a liquor store and still be compliant because there's nothing in there that says what it is exactly that he is going to do. And get his $260 million for a liquor store. That's really possible. Or, or whatever that he could. Now, the project has already changed shape and form over the years. You know, it's being it's now shorter. Um, you know, they said that there were about 2000 people working on the site. There was a drone interview done by one of the television stations. Clearly not 2000 people doing anything. Uh, and Charlie, you and Red have both been on that site over the years. There's nothing going on there. I mean, they, like what is happening and why do we as a city have to feel like we have to constantly bend over to get nothing? Like we're some kind of fucking suckers. The nursing homes suck. We don't got police. Who's going to police this building that pays no taxes? Hmm. Right? Yeah. The, the mayor says it'll create 3,000 jobs. Okay, you're getting $6 million in this new ask a year. So 3,000 jobs at 2% income tax would mean for the city to break even on this deal those jobs on average would have to make $100,000 a year. 3,000 jobs at 100 per? But I, Charlie, they I use that job thing as a dangle for everything they want to get because employment is high, high in the city and, and people want better. I understand and I respect that. But the reality is, is that these jobs that they bring usually are not for, they're either already filled, so they're transported jobs, and they said, we're going to offer these to Detroiters first. They did that with Stellantis. They offer it, but even workforce development officials here in the city say that people in Detroit are severely underqualified or they have an issue passing the drug test. So, yeah, we offered it to you, but you didn't qualify. Yeah, and you're getting you're lost in it. You're lost in it, too, because no, we, we do this on the phone. So we might as well be know, honest about no, but I relate. Don't be sorry, because I still say you're getting lost in that goofball city council argument about do we do black people get access to it is it going to be our building what you know it's it's not that it's we got to stop doing that we got to think money 
You don't get anything. They drain from you. You get no police tonight. When Stellantis, we gave them a half a billion dollars. They promised us 5,000 new jobs on top of the 5,000 that were already there. You know how many work there right now? 4,900. Come on. We got to get to the market principle. And they keep dangling that shit, Karen. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this just as a person who lives on the east side. I was very disappointed because I remember when Duggan was saying, you know, hey, we're going to meet with Stellantis. We will do whatever we need to do to get them here, including closing off St. Jean. That was the street to a major thoroughfare and to the expressway. There were no community meetings, no questions. I'm driving down the street one day. St. Jean doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it's little stuff like that that to me is like a slap in the face. And by the way, there was no Stellantis at that time. It was Fiat Chrysler. Then we did the deal with him. And then magically, two months later, there's a merger with Peugeot. Fuck off. It's not the government's job to make jobs. The government's job is to look out for the public's bank and provide (laughs) things, schools, police, water. That's it. If the taxes are too high in Detroit, Mayor Mike, you and the dopes on the city council change the tax structure. Stop giving it away. You know, what was interesting, Charlie. I got a lot of feedback from that uh, article, including someone who actually works for Dan Gilbert and someone who is, I mean, who works with Dan Gilbert and someone who works for Dan Gilbert. And they both applauded, you know, the, the information in there. I mean, which goes back to a column I did two weeks ago about people publicly applauding and complaining in private. Okay. Look at that. So, because everybody knows Karen by this point. That's true. The, the muckities. The muckities don't deal with me. I deal with the hard hats. The hard hats are pissed at us for drilling this job site. Hey, hard hat, don't be a hard ass. I got your interest, my, I want you to work. I got nothing against you. I'm trying to let you know about your job site and the future of it. Bullshit. This is scumbag billionaire politics. It doesn't happen in Chicago. It certainly doesn't happen in Phoenix. These places are market-based. This is unsustainable. We've been telling you this, and we're right, and we're right, and we're right. And all of a sudden, the 60 million matters, Karen, because we've been talking about this boondoggle. And and it slaps in the face when uh, thousands of residents were overtaxed to the tune of $600 million. Um, and the mayor says, oh, we, we don't have any resources for that. So, OK, you know, we keep talking about is this directly taking money out of an account and giving it to him? No. But if there are incentives or there, you know, some room for compromise or trade off for these residents, then perhaps they would not be renters or former residents in the city. I don't even know what to do with that. That's, That's true. Right. That's yeah. true. That's 100% true. Finally, keep your eye on Chrissy Illich and Stephen Ross and this innovation center they're now going to build near the hockey arena watch i i can see the movements they're making a little press conference a little something for the school kids watch how much they're going to ask for just watch another one breaking news watch no suckers here okay now let's get to the rant and get to joe leblanc the whistleblower vice president of the board of directors of the michigan center for assisted living, the nursing homes, as we call them. But before that, let me just say that, uh, which, what are we doing here, Luke? Uh, we can do Luke, yeah. Put it on there. Call Luke Nowacki. You don't know what the fuck you're doing with your money. If you get 60 million, he can make it make more. Nobody knows what they're doing. Again, Dan Gilbert doesn't know what he's doing with his money. What's Rocket stock going for now? Six and something. Call Luke Nowacki. The guy spends his time reading about wheat futures in the Ukraine, how it affects you. 248-663-4748. He's got the worldview. You got to raise kids. What are you going to do? Call Luke. What's the number? 248-663-4748? Yes. All right, that's right. Recession is coming. Recession. Holy hell is coming. Recession. I can deal with a recession. Jesus may come back too. Look over your shoulder. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus, that we need money. He's never around when you need money. He went to call Luke. Oh, he wants me to tithe. <laughs> I tell the Jesus, I was talking to Jesus just last night. He goes, Why don't you tithe into 10%? I'm like, 
<laughs> Have you seen it? Because that's the rate of inflation. I don't got it no more, bro. Is Jesus raising, I mean, is he raising his Lord rates? Huh? Is he raising his rates? He's fucked too. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, Mark. I got <laughs> really worried. That. All I saw, these pastors would be like inflation. Yeah, You're tithing. Yeah. I had a vision. <laughs> yeah, I had a vision of him last night, but he had cue cards. <laughs> Telling him when to stand up, when to say hello. <laughs> that unbelievable. <sounds> <laughs> that's what happens when you get old. Everybody's doing it. That's what happens when you get old. All right, look here, man. COVID. Y'all remember COVID? Yep. No seeds, no boats, no school, no restaurants, no funerals, no church, no old folks visits, no toilet paper, no state constitution, no travel to Florida unless you can shake down a fucking rich businessman to get his jet. No work. Arrest the diner owner. Arrest the parents at the school board meeting. Vote by absentee. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Pause to save lives. Remember? All of it. We destroyed ourselves in order to save ourselves, or so we were told by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Then the national political cycle passed. Trump got dumped and COVID morphed into the weakling Omicron variant. Remember? Three vaccines became universally available just over a year ago. Monoclonal antibody treatments came online. And thus, the great pandemic was over and we were saved. Except that's not true. Unbelievably, hear me, COVID deaths in Michigan are higher in this, the second year of the pandemic, than the first. In fact, Michigan experienced a wild spike in deaths this spring that mirrored levels from the beginning of the pandemic. Not a word has been said, no acknowledgement from the governor, nothing but crickets from state health officials and the media. Shame. The arithmetic is simple. The New York Times COVID database shows that Michigan suffered about 15,800 COVID deaths from June 8th, 2021 to June 7th, 2022. The prior year, June 8th, 2020 to June 7th, 2021, Michigan was victim to about 14,600 COVID deaths. That means Michigan's COVID death rate has actually increased by 8% in the past year the year of vaccines. For comparison now, because you're smart, COVID deaths in the United States have decreased by more than 16%. As for our neighbors in the Midwest, COVID deaths have plummeted on average by 13%. So what gives in Michigan? Where's the old corona hysteria? By the standards of 2020, these numbers would justify new lockdowns. Not that I'm advocating for that since they seem to have accomplished so little. Where is our mother and governor? She's on NBC again. What happened to Fauci? I heard a doc caught the COVID. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why has Michigan become a virtual Shanghai? Why have death rates ballooned here as the potency of COVID has declined and treatments have become available? It can't be the Whitmer administration is backloading hidden deaths from earlier in the pandemic. Y'all remember Doug Ringler, the state's auditor general, verified as much when he went through every death certificate since the pandemic began. In his excellent report issued earlier this year, Ringler also found that the state's nursing home deaths were actually 43% higher than the Whitmer administration was telling the public. That's the same as grabby-ass Como. And that number may be significantly higher. Stay tuned as Joe joins us. And it can't be public policy. Every state in the union is essentially wide open with few restrictions on public gatherings. The age of lockdowns and mask mandates is behind us, except Detroit school children. It can't be vax rates either. According to that Times data, Michigan is about average in vaccination rates among adults in the Midwest, which includes Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. So I'll leave that to the scientists and epidemiologists to figure out the why. But the lack of response from this government is galling. Whitmer shut the state down, broke the financial backs of working people, and damaged the emotional equilibrium of our children to save lives. Or so she claimed. And I believed. Now that more people are dying than ever before, her department hasn't bothered to hold a press conference, hmm. 
to tell us that this is happening, let alone what they plan to do about it. I miss those people. <laughs> the signers? Yeah, they were kind of cool. Yeah. Sighting. Is there an acceptable death rate in Michigan now that Gretchen E. Whitmer and not Donald J. Trump is up for re-election? Where y'all at? If there's some other explanation, state health officials haven't given it. But they did send me a link to a vomit of useless data in charts. <laughs> they always do. We know that the Whitmer administration did not bother to count the nursing home deaths accurately. Whatever became of that, the official account fed to the public on a weekly basis is still wildly inaccurate and probably worse than that. And because of that, there's no telling who is dying now, where they live, or whether the state is invested in protecting them at all. All we really know is that more people are dead from COVID this year than ever before. If Michigan's officials won't do their jobs, it's time for the experts from the CDC and special agents from the DOJ to get to the bottom of this. If they don't, we may never know what COVID did to Michiganians and what it still may do when it peaks again this fall. So what can you do, ordinary citizen? You can call the governor's office. 517-335-7858. One more time. 517-335-7858. And when you're done calling that, call Luke Nowacki for good financial advice. Can you believe it, Karen? I don't, I don't know what to believe these days, Charlie. I really don't. I mean, I really don't. And I started to sit back and think, is it me? Am I stupid? Or do these people think everybody else is stupid? It, it's... It's insulting. It's a loaded question. I know. Could be both. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, I'm not stupid, and neither are you, Charlie. And I don't think most people are. And I think they get tired of being treated as though they are by, you know, elected officials and alleged leaders. Now, here's an alleged leader, by the way. You know how the alleged leader got here? He's sponsored by American Coney Island, Detroit's oldest family-run restaurant and birthplace of the famous Detroit Coney Dog, chili, mustard, and medallia onions, downtown at the corner of Lafayette and Michigan Avenue. Can't miss it. Mm. The nice red, white, and blue building open seven days a week. Yum, yum, yum. And by the way, send the Coney kit for, what's the next holiday? Fourth of July. Uh, yeah. July. yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, they're starting to get hot again. So uh, I'm going to be packs? back in the warehouse. Packing them? I'm going to be packing them. All in. right. Yep. A dozen dogs with all the fixings right to your grill. Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com. Now, special guest, Joe LeBlanc, whistleblower. Here, here, he got like a lot of stuff. This guy's legit. Let me, let me read it here. Executive director of the Heather Hills Assisted Living Facility, a 100-person building. Yeah? 150. 150, where old folks live in a nice way in Grand Rapids. He's the Michigan Center of Assisted Living, was, yeah? Was. Vice Chairman of the Board of Directors. He's the Michigan Assisted Living Executive of the Year. First one, 2018, is that correct? That's correct. He was also the state rep, the state of Michigan's representative to the National Center for Assisted Living. You're in the middle of all this, right, Joe? I am. Why are you here, Joe? Uh, several reasons. Um, one, I'm here for those people that their lives have been just destroyed for the past two years. I mean, when you talk about, first and foremost, my staff, um, they completely put their lives on hold for two years now. Um, talk about unimaginable devastation that they've endured. And they went through that just to protect the seniors that we had. and. And not just my staff, I'm talking about all healthcare officials that were you know, on, those, on those front lines. I'm talking about housekeepers, dietary staff, um, every one of them. There was no incentive to stay on. There really, you know, anything, it was more advantageous for them to stay home. Um, they would have been better financially, health-wise, you name it. So you lost staff. Right. Yeah, we lost stuff. And not not to COVID, but in general. Just yeah, they got and and because in the industry, you lost staff, and the lockdown orders, you had to shove the old people in the room. Yeah, that's what we were asked to do. So let me ask you this: 
did loneliness kill old people as much as the bug killed old people? It's hard to tell because we really don't know the numbers on the bugs, but it's, it's generally accepted in my industry that the loneliness, the isolation was the number one killer. And you're saying we don't know how many people die? Correct. How, how did, what, may, what makes you say that? Well, I know we're going to talk about it, but, you know, the truth of it is it, when you, I think you have to start with definitions. And pre-COVID, the definitions have been nursing home and assisted livings. And then assisted livings are broken down from there. Um, but the truth of it is there's, in the state of Michigan, I think there's roughly 135,000 beds that are you know, for, for old folks, for old folks, long-term care, nursing home, and assisted living. Like nursing, real quickly, nursing home is like federally licensed. They get federal money, Medicaid, and stuff, and everything else is assisted living. Correct. All the nomenclature bullshit. That's correct. Okay, so they're all old folks' homes. They are. Okay. And and when you think too, and you got to go back to, the focus was put on the nursing homes, which was understandable, but. If you go back and you think about it, it's like the number one most vulnerable population was the elderly in general, not just nursing home, yes. elderly. And we serve the elderly. We serve many of the exact same issues and diagnoses, you know, um, COPD, CHF, we have. Don't do that. Diabetics. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, that's, we're all in the same field here. But two thirds of the industry was, they were not considered healthcare workers. Yeah. Two thirds. That's 89,000 potential residents that the people that serve those, that industry were not considered healthcare workers. There were no benefits. There was I mean, I love available. them. I, I do. I love them. But I'm more interested in the old folks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me do this. There was an executive order signed 2020 95 in, in May 17th, 2020. Correct. Okay. And that required, says right here, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services and in partnership with the Licensing and Regulatory Affairs Department requires all long-term care facilities, including adult foster facilities, homes for the aged, and assisted living facilities to report data. Correct. And you did. Yeah, we were supposed to report our data, our deaths, cases, everything. Well, we've never seen any data for 80,000 people. We haven't seen it. So that was the law by the governor's pen requiring it. I call the state and they say, no, we never collected that. We never had the addresses. And I go, well, I talked to guys like Joe and other people and they did report it. They go, well, we couldn't, we couldn't deal with it because we didn't, weren't sure about the addresses. So we left it out. So we all shut everything down to protect these people. They were supposed to be counted so your people get PPE, right? Correct. And they never got it. Correct. Locked down, shoved in a room, go ahead and die. And then we didn't count you. Well, here's what I got, Joe. Homes for the aged, exempt. That means assisted living, not licensed. But the state does have their address. I got this off the state website. There are like 230 of these things with a total population in them of 30,000 people. That's you. You're on this list. That's me. They didn't count. No. No. So how do we know what happened? You don't, really. What the fuck? Because <laughs> we didn't report. And, you know, you think of that number, 30,000 beds that were told not to report, that were given no PPE. The lives that could have been saved... We can only assume. We can only guess. And we don't have an accounting. You know what? Cuomo did this. Look it up. When Cuomo was, Whitmer was copying Cuomo on everything he did, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Yeah, there was no precedent for this. There was absolutely no precedent for this. And if you look at the guidelines from the federals, that wasn't it. The only precedent was what happened in New York on March 15th. They, or March 26th, 25th, I believe, they issued this order. Three weeks later, we issued the exact same order. And then two months later, Cuomo gets rid of it after pressure, and Whitmer doubles down on it, citing science and data that we'd never got. No. That's what I want to know. Where was the science and data behind this? 
it, you know, lives were lost. We were, we were just put through excruciating suffering. And where was the science and the data behind this? And they're yeah. still not doing it. As we speak, 75% of these facilities aren't even required to report. And I'm getting dumb shit from Lansing. What'd you just hear? COVID's higher in the last year than the year before, and we're not counting. How in God's name is this possible? Next election question. Year. Huh? It's election year. Yeah, well, we're not. This is the point. We're, we're Fuck you and trying to be running for president two years from now. You got answering to do now. Now. I wasn't saying anything, Charlie. I mean, you know, Joe's sitting there telling you behind the scenes things that were going on that you reported on. I mean, but it's at the end of the day, it's like we don't matter. I mean, that's what it's coming down to. Yeah. Is that how you feel? I mean, we could have taken different steps, I think, to ensure safety. Um, yeah, we just didn't. Were you ever asked, Joe, uh, for your input or suggestions, you know, as, as a representative of other uh, elderly care homes, like what can or should be done based on the fact that you were there? Did anyone ever ask? No, nobody asked. Um, I definitely voiced my opinions and, you know, just the steps we took at Heather Hills, I, I think just answers that question. And we, the important thing is, we recognize that there were multiple threats. COVID was one of them. But when you think about it, you know, when you go back to the nursing home in Washington, you know, where that was where all the news broke, everything came out. What people don't realize is that the staff walked out, half their staff walked out. How do you care for a hundred residents if half of your staff walks out? And you lock them away and treat them like garbage and watch them die and shit in their diapers. My fucking grandparents, my mother, there's so many people out there. This is nonpartisan, bro. Right. Did they, the governor and her people now like to say by this executive order that they never commingled people. I want to read from it. This is the executive order. This is Whitmer's order. A nursing home must make all reasonable efforts to create a unit dedicated to the care and isolation of COVID-19 affected residents. They did have the nursing homes create COVID wards, and they sent red-hot people to them, did they not? Mm -hmm. No, don't give me a, mm -hmm. This is big. This is a, a, a big point they're trying to dodge. Did they send COVID-infected people, people from your facility, to nursing homes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Check. Absolute. Say it. Absolutely. They, they, there were orders, and I, I know that they tried to clarify, but... It didn't do anything. That, that issue order was already out. People started directing to nursing homes. But what people don't understand with that order is it defined all long-term care. So we were all under the same restrictions. You know, as a non-licensed assisted living, we were asked to set up dedicated units. Those orders restricted where we could send our residents. So the only thing we could do is send them to the hospitals. That's, so we're the ones that flooded those hospitals too. Yeah, and then would you, was Heather Hills taking them back? For the independent ones, the ones we could. I mean, it was a case-by-case -case basis. But no, if there was somebody that needed help, that, you know, bathing, dressing, toileting, meds, like, I don't have the staff to do that. You know, so, and we don't have any of the PPE. We're not protected. Our staff are scared. You know, there wasn't a consideration. And, and that's the part that people are missing. The nursing homes got all the attention. But what really happened, the, the real problem happened in these, these assisted livings. And, you know, and, and again, I want to be very The majority, like, uh, like 100,000 out of 140,000. Yeah. Yeah. Two-thirds. Two-thirds of long-term care residents were not provided any type of PPE. They were all affected by this, these orders. Getting you know. dumb bullshit. Now, let's, let's just get to it. At Heather Hills, you didn't lock it down. We did not. We, well, I take that back. At the very first, we actually locked down 48 hours before the state said we needed to lock down because we didn't know what was coming on. It was all over the news. You know, staff were scared. Residents were following the news. And, but after about a month and a half or so, um, these orders came out. It closed down all your dining. 
close down all your activities, no visitations. When you think about that for a resident, that's, what do they have left? They have nothing left. That's what they live for. They live for their families. They live for the social end of things. And the truth is, a lot of them just gave up. And it's sad. There was, there was not much you could do. And we realized that right off the bat. One of the threats is going to be the isolation. You're, it's going to be more deadly than it would be for COVID. And so we recognize that as a staff, and it's one of the things I'm most proud of, because there were clearly executive orders out saying, you can't do this. But the most what impressive... Did, what did you do? The most impressive thing, we went to our residents, and we asked them, you know, and it's their home. We have to look at it as their home. And they came back and said, we do not want to live like this. I'm 96 years old. You know, I want to see my family. I don't have anything else. I don't have a job. I don't have a home. Like, that's it. You take them out. That's it. And, and really, that's solitary confinement. So you took a vote amongst the yeah. residents. Unanimous. 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 We don't want to be locked down. We do not want to be locked down. So you didn't do it. We didn't. How many, how many COVID deaths did you have? Zero. Zero? Zero. We were safe. I, I, how, do I, how do I believe that? What if I said bullshit? Yeah. I, I mean, you'd have to ask my families, our residents, but the truth of it is, you have to take my word for it. Okay, well, I got one. How about I do this? Uh, I'm not talking to candidate Nessel. I'm talking to Attorney General Nessel. We need an investigation, and you can start with Heather Hills. Yeah. Check the address. Do it with Doug Ringler. Check it. See if anybody from that address died, and then we'll, we'll see if he's telling the truth. You game for that? I'm game. Yeah. Look at that. Whoa. Because at this point, Charlie, too, like, I have nothing to hide. Right. We did the best we could with everything we had. I have nothing to hide. In all of these nursing homes, all these assisted livings, they did exactly what they could with what they had. And they had nothing. They were provided nothing for two years. I love the novel concept of actually asking the residents their opinions. Right. You know, the people that are affected by it. Why aren't more executive directors of assisted living speaking out? What, what is there to fear? Uh, well, I mean, let's be clear about it. Um, the retaliation. It, nobody wants to put themselves front and center and say, hey, I've got lots of COVID deaths here. Mm-hmm. I've got people, an outbreak in my facility. Because... The judgment is already, you did something wrong. It's like, I, how do you keep COVID out 100%? You don't. You don't, yeah. So then the balance came is, okay, how do, we, how do we enhance these guys' lives? Because the alternative is solitary. And you know what? The shit that they are counting, because this order changed from May to October once the state legislature got its power back. But even the stuff they claim to be counting... The Auditor General found to be wildly inaccurate. The state's not even double-checking what's being reported to him. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something. I want you to listen to this. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel addressing HCAM. What is that? The Health? Healthcare Association of Michigan. That's the nursing home umbrella. And MCAL. And MCAL, which is you. So you're on this yeah. board. You're like one of the muckety-mucks. Here's what she said to your executives at a coffee convention. And I'm just tired of hearing it regurgitated over and over and over again that terrible things happen at your facilities. It's not true. And I would suggest that people are much safer, quite honestly, in your facilities than really, well, certainly, than when you go into uh, the Capitol building. I'll tell you that right now. Joe, what do you make it at? It's sad. Well, what do you make of it? I, I, I think... Did you hear the applause? It wasn't really... It was no, no, that was a courtesy, courtesy clap. But that's the executives. Yeah, that's every administrator, nursing home administrator, nurse, um, owners. They're sitting there and telling them that terrible things didn't happen in their facilities. For two years, we witnessed horrible things that happened in these facilities. And it wasn't... Again, I want to be very clear. It's not on... I don't put this on the staff... Like, they did the best they could, but where was the help? There was no help. They were, the whole point of this data was to identify who needed help and when. And yet, what did I get? What did I as the public get? Uh, we got a cluster at a bar at East Lansing, a co-ed, uh, was drinking. It's a super spreader event. 
we were able to do that, but we couldn't even probe our own website and get the addresses of the people who were actually already reporting. It's bullshit, and it ain't going to arrest. Joe, more to come, bro. Yeah, definitely. More to come. Thank, thank you, you for it. Karen, last word. I don't know if I have one, Charlie. You know, it speaks when we hear people talk about there being too much government, but we talk about too much process and it is the death of progress. It is really as simple as what you just pointed out. And as Joe indicated, he took things in his own hands. He asked his residents and he did what was best for them. It's not complicated, but people have to care. They have to be committed and they've got to be compliant. They've got to start doing the stuff that they claim that that's in place to, to protect the people that they serve. 100%. And big balls, Joe, because I know Nestle's coming to look at you. Charlie's got your back, though, Joe. Yeah, bring it, baby. Oh, appreciate it. I, I know he's, there's he's, a lot of families, too. Families, residents, staff, they all understand. It's well understood throughout our industry. Okay. Now, I just Jesus. pray for us all, hippie Jesus, would you? <laughs> all right. More to come on all this. Remember, keep it together. Respect one another. Try to love. See ya.